Hello, everyone, and welcome to News with Nick. Except Nick isn't here, so it's actually News with Tom, Ross, and Alex this week. This is This Week in Aviation. So the first thing this week, gentlemen, is that though it's certainly old news by the time everyone's hearing this, it would be remiss of us not to mention that Qantas have chosen their new CEO to replace the great man, Alan Joyce, having been at Qantas since 1994. What? Would you refund the government that money? Of course you won't. That's right, the great man himself. Vanessa Hudson will shift from her role as CFO. She's held since 2019, and she'll become the new head honcho of Australia's national carrier. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know I, what? I tried to seem surprised. Yeah. You know what? Most of the people in the public didn't know who she was, which is surprising because she's been on the media a fair bit since 2019 since she became CFO. But what do you guys think about the public reaction to Vanessa Hudgens, I mean Hudson. Sorry, <laughs> wow, easy, easy to get them mixed up. Sorry, yes, Gabrielle from High School Musical is now the CEO of Qantas. Look, I think they're really giving Alan Joyce a hard time for his departure. Like they're really saying, basically a hearty screw you to Alan Joyce uh, for him leaving. They're saying, oh, he should have left sooner. Like I think they they're not actually realizing how much Alan has actually done for the airline. Yeah, there were probably some instances where he probably handled a few situations not in the ideal way, but at the end of the day, I think he did a pretty good job and just the general public's giving him too much of a hard time uh, for leaving. Yeah. 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 What do you think, Alex? I think it's been all right. Well, what, what was her role before? She's, yeah, what was she, CFO? In the CFO, movie? but she started first in a sort of an auditory role in... Uh, in the 90s. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I think she's been there quite a while. She moved into customer experience. She's she's done everything. She's I mean, if you look at her LinkedIn, which I encourage people to do, you can there's like probably close to 16 different roles she's held with Qantas moving up the food chain piece by piece. At one point she was the director for the American region for Qantas. So you know, like LAX yeah. hub that kind of stuff. So she that was She knows what she's doing. I think she's yeah. probably a, the right candidate internally whether they've whether they've done the a proper search outside yeah and um, yeah well that was i got the the right candidate isn't always inside the four walls of Qantas it could be outside That's i think exactly with her right. experience within the airline she's been to so many different departments yeah. that i reckon her and maybe no- she is and we'll find out in due course how she uh turns out to stack up against other ceos from Qantas traditionally they've been fairly ruthless uh, corner CEOs. We look at Jeff Dixon, how he spoke last week about how he was essentially the final nail in the coffin at ANSET. Uh, And then, of course, Alan Joyce has been consistently ruthless throughout his 17-year tenure at Qantas. I just want to say, when you're CEO, you do have to be ruthless in certain situations. And it's knowing when when to apply that, that really makes them... um, really makes it or breaks it for them being the best candidate for the yeah, job. Um, no, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you ca- it's not a popular role. You've got to do what's right by the company and that's not always going to make people happy. Yes. Like, so, like Alan <clears throat> like Alan did not hesitate to ground the airline. No, he didn't even hesitate. Well, when, when did that happen? Was it right at the, right at the start when he became yeah. CEO? It was like, yes. He also granted all the A380s after QF32 as well. That was another yeah. big decision to make. I mean, yeah, within, within hours of it landing, I remember watching that, reading the documentary of that. Part of being a CEO for the most part is being able to make the tough decisions like that. Yeah. And they come in, from su- the top. in such a short period of time as well. When, right. that, when QF32 landed, it was in less than three hours when, when Alan Joyce made the press release that 
his grounding all A380s. Jesus Christ, mm. that's pretty it, cool. it was like less than three hours from when QF32 landed to when Alan was in front of the press. Yeah, yeah. So, boys, it would be remiss of us not to mention the candidate that came so close to getting the CEO role and for a lot of people internally and externally, financial review for one. Michael they, O'Leary. They believe, oh, oh mate, could you imagine him at the helm of Qantas? Talk about we wouldn't be, hey, he'd be cancelling the well, project like Irish men. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, yes, Olivia Worth. She is the current CEO she is the current CEO of Customer Loyalty, Qantas Loyalty, and she was tipped to take the top job instead of Vanessa Hudson, and it would have been a difficult choice to make, and I, I don't think any of us in our right minds are qualified enough to determine who of the two of them are the right choice. I think that'll. I think the decisions made once Vanessa Hudson becomes... CEO at the next Qantas AGM and her first year as the CEO, that'll be the most how telling much, sign. How much change is being made to the executive of with Vanessa coming into CEO? Well, Do, I, is, who's taking over CFO? That's who's, a great question. I'm sure that's going to be backfilled. I'm not entirely sure. It may have already been backfilled. Alan Joyce. No, actually. Um, Could you imagine? Let's also talk about the fact that Vanessa Hudson's base salary is beginning lower than Alan Joyce's current salary. Obviously... Makes sense. Alan Joyce has been at the company for 17 years. 2.2 million after 17 years, yearly 2.2 million versus 1.9 million when entering the company. Yeah, there's going to be that difference. You know, you're brand new, you're fresh, you earn those bonuses. She's got a huge number of bonuses on offer to her and I'm sure that salary will go up over time. What do you say to people that make the argument that there's something to do with gender involved in the salary? I think, I, I, I think in today's day and age, it's just archaic. That sort of Yeah. Moving on, boys, New Zealand has accepted the return of its final 777 from the storage area in the Mojave Desert in California, marking a monumental operational return from the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, a time that saw all of the airline's 777s aircraft grounded and stored. The first of the aircraft returned to New Zealand shores in August 2022, with the seventh and final aircraft returning to Aotearoa earlier this week. To accompany the 777's return, Air New Zealand this week have announced that the final eight aircraft that continue to sport the iconic teal colours that have been with the airline since its inception as Air New Zealand would soon say goodbye to their colours and don the well-known black and white in line with the rest of the fleet. The eight Q300-8 aircraft have already begun the transition with the final aircraft due to finish repainting by the end of 2023. Boys, what do we think about the 777's return, first of all? I think it's great to see New Zealanders finally starting to see their full capacity after the pandemic. I think it's uh, really good just for the industry as a whole to see that it's finally almost 100% bounced back. But having said that, yeah, end of an era, uh, New Zealand getting rid of the teal livery on all of their aircraft now. It's It's definitely... Yeah, I I think the teal livery is an icon. I don't think it's the last we've seen of it. I think it will certainly return in the form of a retro livery. Exactly, Alex. I think it will return probably in the next few years. I don't see it being away for too long. It might come back in not the the early nord late nineties early nineties form of the teal livery that we know, which is with, with the traditional logo that they have on the tail, but just with teal colors. I think it will return with the letters T E A L. Tasman Empire Airways Limited, which is what it was called before it was in New Zealand. 
And that's why it was the teal. Okay. That's right. And that's I, I, I did not know that. I didn't know that. There you go. So, yeah. yes, no, that, it makes you feel to be fair, very good. That, and we can see one on your little. That's right. Nick, what do you think of the uh, teal livery, actually? Makes you feel very good. I agree, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, but that. The one that's there, it looks slick. With yeah, yeah. Like, is it a fern? Silver fern? Whatever. That's right. It. Yeah, on that's the side. slick. Yeah, that's I do. The I do like it. Traditional. That's the current. That's the current mainline Air New Zealand livery. Now, Nick has provided us with a handy dandy little response to a few of our news pieces today. This is one of them. So I guess it is kind of news with Nick. But here we go. Nick, what do you have to say about it? Yeah, so in terms of the 777-300ER, it's great to see that Air New Zealand has brought back all of their pre-existing capacity into the network. It truly is a testament to how well the industry has recovered post-COVID, and the high amount of forward bookings has obviously given the airline enough confidence to bring back these high-capacity jets. I remember at the start of the pandemic where the 777 was getting shipped over to the Mojave Desert, there was a huge question mark over whether the 777-300ER would ever exist again in the Air New Zealand fleet. And there was a lot of speculation that the future 787-10 that was coming into the airline would replace the 777-300ER. And I'm actually so glad that that isn't the case, because if you look at the aviation industry at the moment with extremely high prices, what we need more than anything right now is capacity. And if we're replacing the 777-300ER with the 787-10, we're actually reducing capacity, which will further increase airfares. So by Air New Zealand, bring back that 777-300ER, increasing capacity, we're driving down airfares, we're making air travel more accessible to the people, and it's great to see Air New Zealand being proactive about it, and it's great to see Air New Zealand back on the up again. That is okay. His point about capacity is a huge one, and it reminds me. Uh, I still think there will be a day where Air New Zealand phase out the triple seven three hundred. Every airline will eventually when the triple seven X comes out, something like that, right? The triple seven coming back to Air New Zealand probably is a sign that their international flying will go back to, or they'll increase capacity on the international routes. I think that these new seven eight seven dash tens could work in a similar way that ANA and uh, and JAL work domestically in Japan, how they run wide bodies on a lot of domestic services. Is there demand in New Zealand? Of course not. But trans-Tasman, there is a huge demand. Can I ask, how, how, this is probably a question for Nick actually, but how many aircraft does New Zealand have on order right now? Yes, actually... Funnily, you should say this, but between uh, myself writing this new segment and us recording this, Air New Zealand have announced a further order of aircraft. I believe it's eight new eight new seven eight seven nine Dreamliners and five Airbus A three eight A three twenty Neos Airbus A three eighties. Oh my god! And they're going to refurbish fourteen of their current seven eight seven Dreamliner aircraft, uh, and they're going to redo their interior, which is pretty cool as well. So increasing capacity there. Glad I, I agree though what Nick said about fair prices being more stable with the return of the triple seven. I think that's great. Okay, Ryanair this week have announced an order of up to three hundred new seven three seven Max ten aircraft. The budget airline has revealed a significant purchase agreement with Boeing valued at forty billion dollars. This order comprises 
150 confirmed orders and negotiations for the remaining planes have been underway since before the COVID-19 outbreak. However, talks were suspended in September of 2021 when Ryanair and Boeing failed to come to an agreeable price. According to Ryanair's group CEO, Michael O'Leary, we love him, the airline had to come to terms with the fact that they would have to pay more for these aircraft, as he stated in an interview with Simple Flying in March. This news comes as Boeing have announced a significant decrease in yearly output of their 737 MAX family production due to issues that have been found relating to the production of the aircraft. Boys, I'm very surprised that Michael O'Leary has caved on price negotiation with Boeing on these aircraft, especially when we know he's a tight ass. How do you get fewer people queuing to go to the toilet? Charge them. He charged him for it. If he charged people to go to the toilet, why isn't he chitailing Boeing into paying less money for their aircraft? Uh, yeah, who am I to say? Maybe he did strike a deal and they just they just didn't okay, announce yeah. it. Very possible. Like maybe he just wanted the capacity. Um, I don't know where they'll start delivering the aircraft, but maybe just in time for the European summer. Well, yeah, speaking of capacity, what's 300 new aircraft going to do to their route network, let alone the capacity offered on it? Exactly. Way up. So, what, increasing capacity to lower their prices? Yeah, but even point-to-point network, which is the what they are you yeah, know, attempting to run, that's their trademark, a point-to-point style network with 300 more aircraft. Mate, they're spreading faster than COVID-19 at you this know. rate. <laughs> no. Like, genuinely, they are, they are just growing at such an exponential rate. The volume of aircraft, to me, is incredible. And what do we think about the decrease of production? And what do we think about the decrease of the rate of production for the Boeing 737 MAX family of aircraft by Boeing. I think it will just raise the wait time so much for all the aircraft to us, for all the airlines that are still waiting on 737 MAX aircraft. Like, what are they, um, what are they um, scaling down the productions for? What, like, what are they producing instead? No, oh, no, they're not scaling down to produce something else. They've found issues with the airframe of the MAX family aircraft that have slowed the production time and therefore they're producing less aircraft there's a less lower output per year in aircraft it's disappointing especially when airbus are upscaling at such a exponential rate boeing really need to lift their game they've had so many issues with the max production like Mm. Mm. what's going on mate yeah i agree this is what nick had to say about the ryanair purchase order yeah, it's very strange to hear Michael O'Leary accepted the fact that he's going to have to pay more for aircraft. That's but I guess what I what said. Isn't strange is the fact that they've just put in you an listen order to that for before three hundred you- aircraft worth forty billion dollars. Because if we look at Ryanair's growth, particularly after the pandemic, it has been exponential. Ryanair at the moment are actually carrying more traffic than they were pre-COVID. It's currently standing at about one hundred and ten percent pre-pandemic traffic capacity. And the- them and Wizz Air incredible like volume of capacity right now like they are rocketing sorry continuing this is coming off the back of strong amounts of leisure and vfr travel we've seen into europe because let's remember when the rebound of aviation occurred straight after covid it was vfr and leisure travelers that were driving the huge growth in the aviation space and looking at the demographic of these travelers what do they want mostly out of airlines? They want a cheap fare, which is why they book themselves onto the LCCs, such as Ryanair, such as EasyJet, such as Wizz Air. And this has allowed the low-cost carriers in Europe to exceed pre-pandemic capacity. 
And if you're looking at an airline like Ryanair, they're set to grow at about 10% per year in terms of passenger traffic numbers. So naturally, they need more aircraft. And at the same time, they've got to retire some of their older aircraft because they're becoming inefficient and they drive the cost base up, which will reflect in the ticket price. So this new aircraft order, despite the fact that they're paying more for it, will allow Ryanair A to facilitate this new growth with an aircraft that has higher capacity than its outgoing NG models, and B, they can keep their airfares low, because with new aircraft, with new fuel-efficient technology, they save price on fuel, and their savings can be carried over to the consumer through lower fares. So overall, I think it's a big win for the consumer, and it's a big win for Ryanair. It's funny, I literally, I knew it. I knew there had to be something... There had to be some angle that um, Michael O'Leary had, and it's clearly that he already knew he was going to be winning big with this order, no matter what, and he was just trying to make even more money off of it or, like, swindle them down because he knew he was already going to be making a baseline of profit or growth year on year, and he wanted to, you know, be a bit greedy with it. But it clearly didn't pay off. That's okay. I'd like to know if Michael O'Leary is a tight ass in his... In his normal life, that is his professional life. Well, you know what they depends call- on what airline he flies. <laughs> yeah, I hear he flies Air France. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what they call him though. They call me beloved, caring, sensitive, shy, and retiring. He's and cl- retiring, yes. Yeah. Clearly not retiring anytime soon. Am I right? How old is he? He's seventy-five. Oh, let's let's have a look. Oh, I'm actually surprised by that. No, no, I, I don't know. I'm just. Hey Siri, how old? Is Michael O'Leary? Michael O'Leary is sixty-two years old. Sixty-two. Wow. Okay. What's that? Oh yeah. Australian Regional Carrier Alliance continues to grace the headlines this week as the ACCC decided to bring their partnership with Virgin Australia to an end. The agreement was in place primarily to allow fluency of services for fly-in, fly-out services in areas like Queensland and Perth, but was today halted by the ACCC over fairness concerns. This news comes after the ACCC blocked a bid by Qantas to acquire Alliance in full a few weeks ago in mid-April. The ACCC conducted a comprehensive examination of the proposed purchase and determined that the transaction would likely lead to a significant reduction in competition in the markets that provide air transport services to resource industry customers in Western Australia and Queensland. It's basically saying... The areas that have heavy mining fly-in, yeah, fly-out operations, those, yeah. Alliance clearly is a key part of that, mm-hmm. and they're clearly a tool more than they are their own independent player. Everyone wants a piece of the pie, and the ACCC is trying to police that whole thing. Part of that, for them, meant ending this partnership with uh, Virgin Australia. Qantas continued to hold a 20% stake in Alliance Airlines, a portion that they acquired in 2019 prior to the pandemic. As I said, clearly everyone sees value in Alliance. Do you reckon Alliance has room to grow? Yes, hundred percent. Do you reckon they'll be the size of I don't know? Let's just say Jetstar or Bonza or something as the time comes. No, when I say Bonza is smaller, but like, no, will, will I, they grow I to don't. be mainstream like that? Well, I don't know because they haven't. Uh, to what my knowledge, they don't have any orders for aircraft. But if, if how was it twenty percent? You said Qantas have got in. Yes, Alliance? yes. Nick would be why, Nick why would, would be able to tell us the breakdown the, of who owns them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, over time I think it would I think it would become more I think they'll just so that but surely Qantas would tr- No, I don't know how He's long that is. I don't know how long the how uh how much A will let them own. 
Uh, well, here we go. So it looks like Alliance is currently owned. Wow. Okay, so Alliance is actually Alliance is actually almost eighty percent owned in house. Okay, that's right. Yes, is you, the answer to your question is I think they will grow. They don't have orders that I am aware of currently in place. I know that there's a few airlines in that operate Perth FIFO operations that ha, have ordered some new E2 Embraers. Um, I'm sure Alliance will, will either get some second-hand aircraft or something like that. I mean, their Fokker aircraft, F-100s, they're still operating. They're not going anywhere, you know? How old are they, those aircraft, though? Oh, they're probably fucking old. Am I right? May. <laughs> you walked into that one, bro. You walked into that one. Okay. Finally, this week, Virgin CEO Jane Herdlicker announced a statement that she'll be taking some time away from the business and the operation of Virgin Australia to mourn the passing of her late husband. Having previously served as CEO of Jetstar and of Qantas Loyalty, leaving the Qantas Group in 2017 to head up the A2 Milk Company before resigning in 2019 due to what she would later reveal was her husband's cancer diagnosis. She was selected to replace Virgin Australia CEO Paul Scurra in 2020. And uh, our thoughts are with Jane and her two boys over the coming weeks as they take time away from the spotlight. You couldn't have said that. All right, Okay, and that is the news this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy this week's episode alongside the news and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.